The Scream Kings are in no way responsible for any encounters with the paranormal, extraterrestrial abductions, eldritch insanity, hauntings, curses, hexes, demonic possessions, cryptozoological sightings, or any loss of sleep that may result from listening to this podcast. This is the Scream Kings podcast. I'm Nathaniel Darkish. And this is Max George. And we have very special guests with us, Rachel Smith. Cue the I'm so excited music right now. <laughs> I'm so excited to be here. Thank you guys for having me. Welcome to the Scream Kings, Rachel. Thank you very much. Honorary Scream Queen, Rachel. That's right. For the day, yes. Forever. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you can now put that on, on your Twitter bio. Also your awesome. resume. <laughs> and that's really the important part. It is. Business <laughs> cards, really just the whole thing now. <laughs> Nathaniel, give us some background. How do you guys know each other? So we met at Life, the Universe, and Everything, which is a writing convention uh, here in Utah at a horror writers meetup. And we were like, hey, you seem pretty cool. And so we have uh, recently formed a horror writers writing group. Yeah, it's been pretty awesome. Nathaniel was one of the only not sketchy people at that meetup. <laughs> I can only imagine. I want to go so badly. <laughs> it, 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 was, it was a really interesting cast of characters there. <laughs> to um. say the least. <laughs> Oh, man. Um, so, Rachel, introduce yourself. Tell our listeners who you are, kind of what your background's in, yeah. why we want you to be a Scream Queen. So, I'm Rachel. I publish under the name R.R. Smith. I am a horror writer. I write primarily short stories because I've got a short attention span. And I like always doing something new. I've been obsessed with horror my entire life. My darling, wonderful mother forbade me from reading Edgar Allan Poe as a kid. So, of course, I fell in love with Edgar Allan Poe. And I was doomed from then on. (laughs) Edgar Allan Poe is pretty, like, tame when it comes to stuff you could read. She didn't like the cover. She thought the cover looked scary. Ah. That's that's why you just have to get a cover that that looks, or that's just the words. No, I needed the scary one. That was an important Ah. piece of it. (laughs) Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Well, I can relate me bringing home a Goosebumps book through my mother into near conniption. Yeah, I feel that. And I was just lighting candles in the basement, summoning demons, so it's fine. <laughs> that's that's not true. That's true now, but not as a child. Mm. No, no, you were watching <laughs> Disney horror movies. It's true. It's true. And Unsolved Mysteries. Do you guys remember Unsolved oh, Mysteries? Oh, yes. Ugh, that show formed my adulthood. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, it's definitely helped inform our uh, <laughs> podcasting life, at least. So what drew you to horror other than a need to read Poe? I have always seen ghosts my entire life. Um, My parents will tell you that from the time I could learn how to speak, I was asking them horribly creepy questions like, who's that lady standing in the corner? Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Why is there a man in my closet? Oh my god, that's amazing. um, That's been my entire life. So I have all kinds of ghost stories, and I think horror for me was a way of processing and taking control of the things that scared me and and using it to be creative and i just fell in love with everything about it i love that so much isn't it it's kind of cool how horror you know it's so taboo for certain people and especially Mm -hmm. here in utah where it's so almost against our demographic yeah at the same time it's deeply cathartic and mm-hmm. you can really release a huge amount of emotion through horror mediums, I think. Yeah, a big part of why I love writing horror is because I am connecting physically with the people who are reading my work. When you're afraid, you start to sweat, you breathe heavily, you clench your fist, you have a physical reaction. So I feel like it connects me to readers in a way that other genres don't. Oh, that's beautiful. The only things you can compare it to would be getting laughter from comedy or getting some uh, randy feelings from uh, (laughs) more romantical things. Randy feelings, Nathaniel? No, we're going to give it to him. It's fine. (laughs) That's going to end up on our merchandise, though, is the problem. (laughs) We'll get him a pin. (laughs) 
It just says Randy feelings. <laughs> and then a winky face or something. Oh, yeah. It's perfect. And sell them at erotica conventions. <laughs> oh, Lord. Okay. Before this gets too far, <laughs> um, Rachel, we always ask our guests that we have on the, the podcast what your favorite horror movie is and what the scariest horror movie you've ever seen is and also since you're an author i'd love to hear what your favorite book is or short story or literary theme the the book is harder but for movies i have a prepared answer (coughs) and i love that favorite and scariest are different because my favorite horror movie is the wicker man with Nicolas Cage. I hate Nicolas Cage <laughs> so much. How can you not love everything about that movie? And Especially him screaming bees, bees, bees. Not the bees and punching bees. a woman in the face. Oh my gosh. Oh, Jesus, it's take just, the wheel. It is just everything my soul needs to be happy. <laughs> and uh, the scariest movie is hands down Hereditary. Ah, yes! This is why you're here! Yep, that movie, <laughs> that movie shook me. I saw it in the middle of the day by myself in an empty theater and called my mom on the way home. And I said, Mom, I just watched a scary movie that made me feel how you feel when you watch scary movies. <laughs> and she went, ha! <laughs> and I, like, called her the whole way home because I couldn't look in the rearview mirror. It was intense. Uh, That's fair. We we drove in a car together back from that movie, and we were both just like, no one's in the back seat, right? <laughs> yep. And don't open the windows. Don't look I, in the mirror. Definitely burned, don't seek your head out the window. I burned white sage and incense in my house multiple times for I, a good, like, month. I don't normally get freaked out by scary movies because I've seen so many, but right. I was, like, looking in my closet and sleeping with the lights on and looking in the corners. It totally had me on edge. Oh, that's amazing. And we can't, ever since we've seen it, we've mentioned Hereditary at least once in every single episode. Well, I am so. happy to continue that <laughs> tradition. Yeah, we, I mean, there, there is a reason that I've been making a joke that, that our unofficial subtitle is now a Hereditary fan cast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Um, oh, and books, I guess. Um, yes. I, uh, I, I think I'm going to have to go with The Shining, just because... That was one of the very first novels I read as an adult, other than like Coraline as a kid, that really scared me. I was afraid to turn the page because I was afraid of what was going to happen next. And that experience was so fascinating and fun. And I haven't read it in years, so it, it might actually be garbage. I should read it again. But <laughs> I'll, I'll always remember that experience of being that afraid of a book. And then I'm. I want to know if if there's a horror short story that stands out to you too, since that's that's your mm-hmm. forte. That is a good question. I like. I'm gonna have to go with the Black Cat. Good choice. Ed Allan Poe. It there's something about a main character that's so nasty that you still sympathize with that I love. I just love that. All right. Well, so I guess let's let's get into the the meat of this episode. So you mentioned that you have seen ghosts, mm-hmm. uh, and I know that my interest was certainly piqued when uh, at our last horror writers meeting, you mentioned that you lived in a haunted house, which is the central point of this episode. Yeah, I I'm really excited to get to share this story. I try and tell it as often as I can, <laughs> um, just because it's helpful for me. Uh, it is a little bit longer, so I'm going to do some condensing. But please jump in if you have questions or anything like that. And I'll, uh, I'll let you know what happened in the Nauvoo house. The Nauvoo house? The Nauvoo house. Oh my gosh. I yep. am in it to win it right? now. Right? Oh my gosh. This is going to be good. I think you'll be pleased. <laughs> okay. Well, I went from like like sitting back to like leaning in more, so. <laughs> Great. Um So I'll give you some context. The Nauvoo house is a 115-year-old house at this point in Ephraim, Utah, on the Snow College campus. And since the campus is so small, they have a couple dorms, but most of the students live in houses that you rent around the area. And my best friend at the time and I finally, after we weren't freshmen anymore, got on the list to get into one of these houses. And so we got the Nauvoo house. And it's a very, very LDS area. Our landlord was extremely religious. There were like no boys allowed in the bedrooms. There was a curfew, 
all kinds of stuff. It's the Nauvoo house. So it was gorgeous. It's this beautiful white house. You can look it up online and you can see all the realty pictures. And it's got this cute little kitchen, all these bedrooms. It's really old, but it's really, really lovely. So we were so excited. So we move in the first night. We're looking around the house and we see a door that we hadn't noticed before that the landlord hadn't ever pointed out in the walkthroughs we'd done with him. And we open it up and it is the creepiest horror movie basement that you have ever seen with the like wooden slats into the darkness, cobwebs everywhere, the crumbly stone walls, the dirt floor, the works. It was awful, but we were really excited <laughs> because it was more space and we thought it would make like a great hangout party room if we put up Christmas lights and brought in some couches. Go full <laughs> so, stranger things. Then. I know. We're college <laughs> kids, right? Like we really just wanted to make this space something cool and fun and a place where we could spend our time. So we started cleaning up all of this garbage that had just been thrown down into the basement. And propped up in one of the corners was this big cardboard box, like an old refrigerator box or something. And we hadn't noticed it. And my friend Jess bent down in front of it to pick up some trash. And it started falling forward towards her in like slow motion. And she steps out of the way kind of instinctually. And behind the box, there was an old full water heater tank. And it crashed down in front of her and broke open on the ground and started spewing water everywhere. Jeez. And the two of us couldn't move it at all. We couldn't roll it. We couldn't budget it. We did the math later and it probably weighed around 800 pounds. Uh, so if it had hit her, she would have died. And there would have been no way for me to do anything. So we spent our first night in the house bailing out the basement and we were so busy <laughs> trying to save the basement from all the water that we hadn't even really processed that she almost died. And that was night one. <laughs> so this house was beautiful. It was, it was really old. And so it was kind of a little bit grimy and all of the windows were original. And so they had that old, like warpy wavy glass. And I would see people standing outside in the glass like as I walked by and, and I, I told myself it was just the weird distortions because the glass was so old and the staircase was really weird. It was like in the middle of the kitchen. And when you would walk up the stairs, it would sound every single time, like somebody was walking right behind you. And when you would stop, the second pair of footsteps would stop. And it was just really eerie. Wow. And then we noticed that on either side of every door on the outside of the house and underneath every window were child-sized handprints rusted into the outside. Okay. And we couldn't get them off. Yeah. We were like, this is when we were started to make fun of it. We started to laugh because it was getting silly. Um, so silly. It was getting stereotypical. So, <laughs> so silly. <laughs> so I was raised, my parents, I was born in Hawaii. And my parents raised me on stories of the Menahuni which are these mischievous spirits who uh, cause trouble and they steal things and they're just tricksters. And so whenever we would lose anything growing up or whenever weird things would happen, we would blame the Menahuni. So as we were noticing weird things around the house, things started to go missing and would show up in weird places. And we started joking about the Menahuni and it got worse and it got weirder. And so it wasn't just oh, I can't find my pen, it was, why is my toothbrush in the microwave? Okay. <laughs> and why why are the keys in the refrigerator? Like, just, it was, it was silly. It was over the top. It was too much. But we were still laughing about it at this point, and I actually think that was our mistake because we started paying attention and giving it a lot of attention. And mocking it as well. And mocking it. Yeah, actively mocking it because... That's what I do best. <laughs> um, so we didn't really believe, we weren't convinced yet. Um, we were still telling ourselves that everything was fine, that nothing was wrong, until one day we were in our room and I had just vacuumed. I was on my bed doing homework, just was folding clothing. And one of the objects that I had gone missing was this blue glass 
paperweight thing that I got when my family went to the aquarium one day. And I just couldn't find it, and I didn't even know how long it had been missing since I don't ever use it because it was just a paperweight. But I was sitting on the bed, and we both heard this really loud thump come from underneath my bed, like someone had dropped something. And we both looked at each other, and we were like, do we look under the bed? Do we be, are we those people? So I, in stereotypical horror movie fashion, bend my head over to look underneath (laughs) um, the bed to see what it was. And the paperweight was sitting there right, just right barely under the bed where I had just vacuumed. We would have seen it. It wasn't hiding. It wasn't there before. And it was like somebody had just dropped it right there. And we were like, okay, don't love that. Don't love that. And from then on, it started to get really intense. There was a closet in our room that we had propped open with a shoe rack, just because there were two of us sharing this teeny closet and we needed more space. And Jess just started to get frustrated with me and I didn't know why. And eventually she was like, will you just stop leaving the room so messy in the morning? And I was like, what are you talking about? She said... Every single time I come home, because she would come home before me from classes, she said, every single time I come home, the closet door is shut and the shoe rack is completely knocked over and the shoes are all over the floor. And if you could just like, I don't know if you're hitting it. I don't know if, I don't know. Will you just stop? And I was like, hey, (laughs) I'm not doing that. Why would I knock over the shoe rack? And um, so we started to pay attention to it and it, it was like that closet door needed to be shut. And if there was anything in the way of that closet door, it would get thrown, it would get moved, it would get smashed, crushed, didn't matter. For some reason, that door needed to stay shut. Wow. And there was uh, like a weird spare bedroom that was connected to our room. It's an old house, it was weird. And that door would always stay open. And there was a window in that door, so it should have been equal brightness to our bedroom. But for some reason, you would look through that door and it was just pitch black. And you would pull the door shut and it would open right in front of you. And you could latch it. You could like hold it. It it wouldn't matter. It would just swing open into darkness. So all these things were escalating and it culminated into an episode that I call the tarot card incident. Oh boy, we just got done yep. talking about tarot cards. We did, we did. Um, Max and I are our best friends now. <laughs> <laughs> we were talking a little bit before this. Yeah, yeah, they, they were talking uh, as Pazuzu was once again eating one of our internets. This time it was mine. Leave us alone, Pazuzu. No, it was great because now we're best that's friends. Fair, that's fair. So I was at the kitchen table And I had decided that I wanted to learn how to read tarot cards. Didn't know anything about them. Had been told my whole life they were evil. So, of course, I was like, ooh. Gotta get me some of them. I want that. So I was doing a tarot card reading for this very sweet roommate that we had. And Jess was making dinner. And I didn't know anything about these cards. So I was still reading from the little booklet that comes in the Rider Waite deck. And so I flip over her first card and it's death. And she's totally freaked out. And I'm like, no, no, it's fine. Because death is, it's like, can be transition. Like, it says that it doesn't have to be bad thing. And she's like, oh, okay. And so I flip over the next card and it's the tower. Okay, and that's the one you want to look out and, for. And that's the worst card in the deck. And I was like, this, uh, and I just made something <laughs> up. Because she was, she was too sweet. She was too nice. And I flip over the next one and it's like the eight of swords. And like, it was just like all of the worst cards in the deck in a row. And I had no idea. I didn't know anything about this. So I'm looking at the booklet, seeing what this card is supposed to mean, and then lying to her face. Because I couldn't tell this sweet girl (laughs) this horrible, heinous tarot card reading. And so Jess is in the same room making dinner. And she starts to look at me because she knows my lying voice. (laughs) And she's, like, giving me the look, like, why are you lying to her? Like, what's going on? And I was, like, I I gave her the, like, I'll tell you later face. (laughs) So she has to go and put away all this stuff from dinner. 
and the freezer is downstairs in the basement. So she goes and she opens the basement door and to turn on the light, it's like that circular light switch and you had to flick it up and down a bunch of times for it to like catch and actually turn on. It was awful. So she opens the door, she starts flicking on the light switch, looking down into the basement and she jumps back and hits the wall behind her and like falls forward a little bit and then catches herself. And I look at her and I'm like, what did you just see? But I don't want to say anything because our sweet, innocent roommate is sitting right there. And so she gives me the, I'll will tell you later face. And then she goes straight down into the basement like a badass to put away the frozen chicken. <laughs> and then she walked back up those stairs so calm. If I had seen something in the basement, I would be like galloping all fours <laughs> of those stairs, screaming the whole way. She super calmly walks up the stairs, turns off the light, shuts the door, and we have dinner. And I'm like, I need to know. I need to know what this girl's off. And so I'm dying, like while while you're saying ha- like, stuff like, oh yeah, just uh, it, the cards want you to know to not walk across yeah. the street ever. Yeah. Well, I'm like Holly. The cards say that you are going to serve your LDS mission, and it's going to be so lovely, and you're just going to have the best time ever because you're such a good person. And the cards are like death and destiny. Yeah, I'm sorry. You're going to serve your <laughs> LDS mission, and she got death, the tower, and the eight of swords. I like I know. I have a theory. <laughs> I actually think that that reading was my reading, not oh, hers. totally. Yeah. Anyway, so we have dinner, and then Jess has to go back down into the basement to put the rest of the stuff away. Back and into the hell mouth. She, right? So she opens the door, and she looks at me, and the, her face is like, I got it. She's a badass. Um, so she starts flicking the lights and maintains eye contact with the darkness, like looking down into this basement. And then the lights come on, and she's still looking, and there's nothing there. And then she looks at me as if to be like, see, I got this. She looks back. She screamed, jumps back, hit the wall, and fell into the first couple steps and had to catch herself on the railing. Oh, my God. And I look at her, and I'm like, what the heck did she see? And Holly's like, oh, what is it? And she goes, I just saw a spider. I'll get it. And she goes down into the basement, puts the stuff away, walks up so calm, like she's walking away from an explosion in an action movie. Like, the craziest thing I've ever seen. And I still don't know what she saw at this point. So she comes out of the basement and she says, Rachel, would you like to join me upstairs? (laughs) And I said, you know what? I would love to. Thank you for the evening, Holly. We're going to excuse ourselves. (laughs) So... (laughs) So we go up the stairs and she's like, okay, first, what the heck was with the tarot card readings? And I tell her that like, basically Holly's going to die and I'm I'm worried about her because... (laughs) Because a bus is going to fly through the wall at any second. Something heinous is about to happen to her and she's our roommate. So like, are we going to be involved in this? And I was like, what the hell did you see? And so she tells me that the first time she looked down into the basement, when the lights were flickering on and off, she saw a black silhouette of a woman crouched down at the bottom of the stairs looking up at her. Gross. And she and the, the woman disappeared as the lights went on. Uh-uh. And it startled the crap out of her. This is when you move. This is when you move. And I was like, and you went down there anyway? I didn't know whether to be impressed or like worried about her at this point like is that just bravery or is that just like super stupid yeah and is she that else. person in the horror movie it, it, i know she she is she is um and it, it gets better there's a lot of character development that <laughs> happens in this story <laughs> i think you'll appreciate nerds um so, hey hey so you just are uh, jealous of our writing skills it's true you're just jealous that we have story structure in our real life experiences Mm -hmm. um it's fine it's whatever character art themes what demon is in this it's true this house now yeah if you can tell me what demon it is you get bonus points do you know no i don't all right i have theories anyway so the second time when she was like maintaining eye contact with the darkness, it was because she was checking to see if the lady was going to appear when the lights were flickering. 
and she didn't. And so she got overconfident. And then when she looked down into the basement um, the second time, the woman was crawling up the stairs towards her. Ew. Right? And, and she was scuttling. We ended up calling her the scuttling woman. Ooh, I don't like that. Which is an awful nickname. And anytime we were in the basement, you could hear her moving around behind you. And she kind of stayed underneath the stairs for the most part. But she wasn't malicious. She was just heinously creepy. That's all. She was just a just really into crab walking. Yeah. I think my personal theory is that she's somebody who fell down the stairs and died and she can't get up. She doesn't sound like a demon. No, no, I don't think so. She should have had life alert. So as she's telling me... (laughs) (laughs) She's fallen and can't get up from death. (laughs) She died. Anyway, um, I I feel like she just wanted our help, but she was really creepy about it. And uh, maybe I don't think that was super called for. It was just Lilith, you know, the mother of demons, just hanging out in the basement. It's fine. Um, So as Jess is telling me that this happened, her face glitched and that's the only way that i can describe it because one moment she's looking at me and her face is normal and the next second her neck was bent to the side and her mouth was open like way too too wide and her eyes were just sunken black holes and she just looked at me like that for a second and then she went back to normal and I, that was a little freaky. It was a little freaky. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't know what to do. And she was like, what just happened? Because you're looking at me really strange. And I was like, you just, you, you just glitched. And that's not okay. Yeah, went, went full start of the ring right there. Yeah. It, uh, I had a really hard time watching The Exorcism of Emily Rose after this. For because good reason. It's the, it's the same, like, effect. It was, it was really creepy. Remind me to tell my Emily Rose story. Things started to pick up. We started to hear disembodied laughter, and it would move across the ceilings towards us. It would, like, follow us around the house. The people that I used to see outside the windows, I was now seeing in the mirrors. Oh, boy. And then um, the other horrible thing that I would see is I would walk by a mirror, and I would see my reflection would walk by, and then I would see a second reflection walk by. And it... It was just awful. Um, yeah, F that. Yeah, it, it wasn't great. So it got bad enough that Jess started to spend most of her time out of the house with her boyfriend. And I, for some reason, felt like I couldn't leave the house. My exact thought at the time was I'm afraid of what the house will do when I'm gone. Which is such a weird thought. I don't actually think it was mine. Um, I don't think it came from me because that it doesn't make sense, but I was afraid to leave the house alone. I was afraid of what would happen if I wasn't there. So I ended up basically quitting all my classes. I slept during the day, kept all the lights on at night, started to go a little crazy. So it got to the point where like it was affecting your daily life. like Oh, significantly. You know, skeptics. Um, that... I flunked out of the, that semester of college. Wow. Yeah. Like for skeptics who, you know, look at this and it's just all psychological or all in your head, like regardless, it was affecting your life in a, a very substantial way. That's crazy. Yeah. It it, it was significant. It, it was pretty much all encompassing at the time. And I couldn't focus on anything else. At one point, I realized that I wasn't getting enough sleep. And so, and I wasn't sleeping in my bedroom at this point because there was something in the corner and I just couldn't, I just couldn't be in there. And at one point I was so tired that I went up to my room and I talked to the coroner <laughs> and I was like, I just have to get some sleep. I just have to get some sleep and I want to sleep in my bed. I don't want to sleep on the couch anymore. Can I just, can you just leave me alone for a night? Like, can I just please get some sleep? Yeah, just, just piss off and for I, like eight hours. I know. If you could just give me eight hours. <laughs> That's all I need. So I fell asleep instantly because I was so exhausted. And I woke up and the lamp was off and it had been on. And the room was completely dark, which is impossible because there were four windows and there were two street lamps on either side of the house and we were on the corner. So it should have been pouring in light from those street lamps and it was pitch black. I couldn't see my own hand in front of my face. 
and I heard a sound in the corner and it sounded like bones snapping. And it was so loud that I like sat up like I had been electrocuted and I was staring into the darkness and I felt like something was looking at me, but I couldn't see anything. So I was just like in a state of pure adrenaline rush, waiting for something to happen and nothing was happening and I'm still exhausted. And so at some point I was like, if you're not gonna do anything, I'm gonna go back to bed. Like, <laughs> I'm so tired. Like, I'm just, don't mind me. I'm just gonna go back to sleep. And so I fall asleep again because I was that tired. And then I wake up again and I hear the sound again and it's about five feet closer. And so I, I'm in another stare down with this thing. Like, I'm in the horror movie situation where there's something there. I know there's something there. It's coming for me, but I can't do anything. I, I didn't feel like I could move. I couldn't see anything. I couldn't, I felt completely trapped. So I'm staring into the darkness again and I started to fall asleep sitting up, trying to keep my eyes open to be prepared if, I don't know, I don't know for what. And so I went back to sleep again. And when I woke up the third time, the sound was in my ear on the pillow. Uh... So I screamed, flew out of bed, hit the light switch, turned on all the lamps, said, fine, you win. And I didn't go back in that room again for months. Um, so I moved into the living room and slept there during the day. During the night, I would have the TV on, I would have music on, I would have all the lights on, and I just kind of existed that way. I started to have chunks of missing time around that point, and I think some of that was probably just exhaustion and lack of sleep, but I also have memories that are impossible. I have a very distinct memory of me standing in my room during the day looking in a mirror and putting lipstick on and behind me i hear the creaking sound of a rope and it's coming from the the closet where the door i always wanted to be shut and that was impossible for a couple reasons one i didn't own lipstick and neither did my roommate and we had taken down that mirror like the second week we moved in because it was creepy and I was sleeping during the day and I wasn't leaving the house. So even if I had makeup to put on, I wasn't because I, I was trapped in my house. So I, I don't know where that memory came from. I don't know what it is, but it is as clear as everything else that happened to me in the house. And I think at this point that I was starting to be possessed, which is comforting. So yeah, it, it, it was intense and pretty emotional at the time. So at one point, Jess came home after being gone for three days and she realized that I was in the same spot on the couch that she had left me in three days ago and that I hadn't moved or eaten or done anything at all. And I hadn't realized that it had been three days and I was crying apparently. Uh, so she was pretty concerned. And at that point she decided that she couldn't stay away and she needed to help me. So we started inviting people over from different religions to bless the house. And the first person we brought over was an LDS missionary. And that was interesting because neither of us were LDS at the time. We had both left the church, but we were like, hey, that's the closest <laughs> religion that we've got. Let's try it. And uh, he starts saying a prayer in our living room. And I heard this moaning sound start coming from the basement and it got louder and louder and louder until it turned into a scream and it was so loud that it hurt my ears so I was covering my ears with my hands and I was the only one who heard it and as soon as he said amen it was silent but it was like the calm before the storm kind of silent like there was a tension and he was like okay we're good bye and it felt to me more like the house was going, oh, you don't want me here? Okay. Like, like we had pissed it off. So I was even more worried and things got worse pretty much immediately 
after that. And so we started to bring in a steady stream of different religious leaders to bless the house. And every time it got worse. So one night we decided that we needed help and we started doing research for paranormal investigative teams in Utah. Mm-hmm. And we knew that we needed to tell our other roommates what had been happening because up to this point, we'd been lying to them. And anytime they experienced something, we'd be like, oh, man, these old houses, they just make some crazy noises sometimes. <laughs> or like, wow, what a, what a crazy coincidence. Isn't, isn't life just so weird? Because we wanted to protect them. We didn't want them to experience what we were experiencing. But we decided that we needed to tell them. And so we were all in the living room together. And as we're telling this story, some of them believed us and some of us didn't. And the ones who didn't were like aggressive about it. Mm -hmm. Somebody looks into the kitchen and they go, should that towel be moving like that? Oh, jeez. And we all like Scooby-Doo around the corner, (laughs) like, (laughs) like heads stacked to peak because we're all afraid. And there's a towel that was just hung over one of the cupboards and it was moving on its own. And we took a video of it. And we went over to see if there was a fan on or if there was any draft and there was nothing. And my roommates were like, the ones who believed were like, nope, I'm leaving. I'm out. We're done. And she went to go grab the doorknob and we all saw the doorknob turn under her hand right before she grabbed it. And she screamed and she jumped back. And I was so grateful and amused because it meant that I wasn't crazy Mm -hmm. (laughs) because other people were seeing it. And so she runs and she leaves and our other roommates storm out of the house in a huff convinced we're lying to them. And Jess and I are like, no, we're, we're going to leave. So we decide we're going to spend the night at her boyfriend's house. And as we're driving away, I look up in our bedroom window and the lights on, which it shouldn't have been. And I see a skeletal figure standing in our window and it waves at us as we drive away. And I looked at her and I was like, Jess, do you see? And she goes, that freaky man waving at us from our window? Yeah, I see it. And I was like, oh, good. I'm just checking. Yeah. Um, (laughs) So. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Can we go to this house and bring the Ouija board? Yeah. Please. Uh, well, if it's the same landlord, he'll hate us, but I still think we it's should. It's fine. Do. I'll seduce him. I have very beautiful <laughs> ankles. I believe you. <laughs> so, so as we are finally away from this house, I realized how like screwed up in the head I'd been because I felt like it was free. And so I call my dad and I tell him what's been happening. And he believed me instantly. And so I was like crying because it was just so nice. And then one of the paranormal investigative teams, Europa, calls us back. And the guy's name is John. And he's like, I can have my team there in two weeks. And my immediate thought was, I'll be dead in two weeks. Wow. I was convinced and believed completely that I was going to die in this house and that I wouldn't make it two weeks. So he said, I'll see what I can do. I'll call you back. So we have this lovely day out that's ghost free in in Gunnison, Utah. And I never thought Gunnison could be so beautiful. It's not. It's not a beautiful place. (laughs) Uh, But it was ghost free. And that's what was important. And then I get a phone call. And this part uh, of the story is where I give my disclaimer. This is where, in my opinion, it becomes unbelievable. And if this is where people choose to stop believing, I can in no way blame you at all, because this is where it gets ridiculous. So my dad calls me and he says, this crazy thing just happened. We were at church and I was with your mother in the hallway and I was telling her what you told me. And as we were talking, a woman walked by and she heard what we were talking about. And she said, I'm sorry, are you talking about the Nauvoo house in Ephraim, Utah? Holy cow. And they looked at her and they were like, yes, why? And she said, I lived there 10 years ago and it's haunted. And so she starts talking with them about the experiences that she had. And they're the same kind of things that we experienced. And while the three of them are talking, a second woman comes up to them and says, I'm sorry, are you talking about the house that's kitty corner to the football field that's no college? (laughs) And they all looked at her and they said, yes, why? And she said, I lived there 30 years ago and it's haunted. Oh, wow. And starts telling her story. So he was like, so I had to call you right away. And I was like, holy shit, that's crazy. And then as I'm telling just this story, uh, her boyfriend's mom comes home. Her name is Shelly. 
And she's very much a believer in the supernatural. So she was very supportive of us and wanted to help. And she was a nurse. So she was at work talking to one of her nurses about what had been happening to us in our house. And as they were talking, a woman walked by and she said, I'm sorry, are you talking about the Nauvoo house in Ephraim? And she said, yeah, why? And she said, I lived there 10 years ago and it was haunted. And as the three of them are talking, a second woman comes up to them and says, I'm sorry, are you talking about the house that's kitty corner to the football field at Snow College? Because she lived there 30 years ago and it was haunted. So in the same day, in two separate cities, we found two sets of roommates who corroborated our story. Okay. I cried like a crazy person because I felt like that was finally the proof I needed that I wasn't just crazy and hallucinating and losing my mind, that it was real, which was both better and worse because it meant that I wasn't crazy, but it also meant that we were fucked. So... I call John, the leader of the paranormal investigative team, and I tell him what happened. And he said, you know what? I can't get my entire team together today, but I can get some of us down there tonight. Can you do that? And I was like, yeah, yeah, of course we can do that. He goes, great. I'll see you at seven. And I hang out the phone and I'm like, yes. And then I go, crap. That means we're going. That means I have to go back. (laughs) That means we have to go back. So it's me and Jess and her boyfriend and Shelly. And we are driving back into Ephraim. And I'm not kidding when I say the gnarliest, blackest thunderstorm starts to roll you in. You guys, I know who, exactly what this is. Do I you? Do. Okay. You'll have, to, you'll have to tell us at the end what your theory the is. The thunderstorm just sealed the deal. Yeah? I... Would I would love to know, oh. but it, it it felt like a horror movie, right? Oh. I was like, "Great, this is how I die!" Like, no one is ever going to believe me because this is ridiculous, and I'm in a horror movie, and this is how we die. Mm-hmm. So it starts raining and the thunder's crazy, and then I get a phone call from my bishop that I didn't know I had <laughs> because I wasn't Mormon, mm-hmm. <laughs> and the bishop says. So your landlord just called me and said that you're having internet ghost people over at the house. Oh, and uh, he's real concerned about the situation and he wants us to be there. And I was like, fine. That's fine with me. And he was like, great. I'll bring my entire Bishop Rick. We'll be there at seven. And I was like, oh, this is a horror movie. <laughs> and we're all going to die. Because <laughs> now we have the religious leaders and... This is not good. But I was hopeful for the first time in months that, if nothing else, it was going to end tonight. I was, maybe I was going to die, but, you know, it feel Yeah, it, it's at least the climax of the movie. Right. We're getting to the end. <laughs> and, and that was weirdly comforting. So we get to the house, and all of my roommates are there. And the two roommates who hadn't believed us had narked until the landlord and gotten us in trouble, and the entire bishopric was there, and John and his team were late because of the storm. So we start telling them our story, because they're like, well, why are you having internet ghost people over? And so we tell them the story from start to finish. We're emotional and crying and still super exhausted and pretty messed up from this whole experience, and they do not believe us. And the bishop tells us in no uncertain terms that this would not have happened to us if we hadn't left the church. So as as a active member of that church, that's messed up and he's wrong. Yeah. Yep. I agree. (laughs) I agree with that. Um, So my nastiest roommate goes, well, if all of this stuff is happening in the basement, then let's just go into the basement. Like, let's all just go into the basement and see what the big deal is. And I was like, can we at least wait until John gets here? Because every time somebody goes into the basement, it gets worse and it gets worse for me, not you. So can we not? And the bishop was like, I think that's a great idea. Let's go into the basement. I've seen The Exorcist. I know what to do. (laughs) Exactly. Because that ended so well for the priest. (laughs) So they all go tramping down into the basement and Jess is like, it's okay, I'll take them because I couldn't handle it. And I go out into the yard and it is raining and I'm crying and I call my dad and I'm like, dad, the bishopric is here and they don't believe me. 
and they're being awful to us. And my dad, who is very Mormon, said, well, fuck them. <laughs> and I was like, Rock on. <laughs> love you so much, dad. <laughs> and then I gotta go as fight I'm a talking demon to him, now, but I love you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for your support. So as I hang up with him, John pulls up with his team and I'm like, okay, I can do this. So John comes out of the car. He's this short dude, super beefy, covered in tattoos with a 44-ounce Diet Coke. And I'm like, I like you. Mm. So he walks in, goes to shake the bishop's hand, and the bishop does not like him. Like, instantly, they clash. And so they introduce themselves. The bishopric has taken their little ghost tour. They're satisfied. And they say, all right, well, we'll be in touch. And they leave. So... Just just about slammed the door off its hinges behind them. And John says, so we couldn't bring our psychic tonight. And I was like, yeah, psychic. Because for some reason, I'm still skeptical about psychics, even though this has been happening. And he says, so she couldn't come, but I had her get a reading on your area. And she got two words. And I want to see if they mean anything to you. And I was like, okay. And he said, the two words were seller and dolls. And I was like, well, stuff happens in the basement, but it's not really a cellar and nobody here has dolls. So sorry, no points for the psychic. And he was like, it's okay. I just wanted to check. Mm -hmm. So we all gather around in the living room. His teammate is him, John, doing the EVP. He has a man named David there who's in charge of cameras and he sets up cameras all over the house. And then Rebecca was doing audio. So she had a shotgun mic and super crazy headphones and was listening to everything live. So... We all gather around and he starts asking the house questions and I'm sitting there and it's so tense because you have to wait in silence while you're listening to the playback of the recording and he's not getting anything and he's not getting anything and there are no voices. There's nothing. Are there any and women I start the paranormal? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. They were women. Um, they were both. Yeah. Okay, cool. And so I start looking at Jess and I'm like, this is not good. Because there's two options. Either he's not getting anything because this isn't real and we're crazy. And if we're crazy, we're so crazy, we need to be immediately locked up. Mm -hmm. Or he's not getting anything because whatever is here is too smart to talk. And if that's the case, then when they leave, we're screwed. So I'm increasingly concerned and getting emotional at this point. And then at the same moment, Shelly and I hear a knock from the inside of the basement door. And she and I look and we look at her and it's immediately clear that we're the only ones that heard it. And we hear it again and we both look, we're the only ones who heard it. And Shelly goes, I think we need to go into the basement. And I was like, no, <laughs> no, <Please> no. <laughs> that's a bad idea. Please no. And John goes, that's a great idea. <laughs> so we all file into the basement and John goes, let's keep the lights off. And I was like, why? Why would we do that? So we all go into the basement and the freaking door is open at the top and the kitchen light is on, but no light is coming into the basement at all. It is pitch black. There are windows at the top of the basement where we should have been able to see streetlights and hear the thunderstorm outside and nothing. It was just black. So... David set up his camera and it's on automatic flash and there's thunder and lightning outside and demons in the basement and flashing lights. And in the flashing, we're seeing weird shadows and figures of people. And John starts to get voices on his recorder and he starts to get the responses to his questions that he was looking for. And it was awful. <laughs> it was awful. And I was ill-equipped to handle that. And so I was pretty much frozen on the stairs. I was standing on the stairs, almost catatonic. I didn't know what to do. And as I'm listening to John talk to spirits in my house, at one point, Rebecca was like, I'm getting a woman's voice, but only when I put the microphone near to the ground. And Jess was like, oh yeah, that's the scuttling woman. Like it's nothing. Like, yeah, that's, that's our neighbor, Sally. It's fine. And as things are ramping up, I feel a hand grab my ankle through the slats in the stairs. And I jumped so far that I think I could have won an Olympic competition. Hmm. 
I leapt like into the center of the basement. <laughs> so I was suddenly standing like right next to John. And he looks at me and he keeps going with his recorder. And I am in full panic attack mode at this point, freaking out. And I can still like feel that hand on me. It was so cold. And as I'm standing next to him, he tells this entity or spirit that they need to let go. They need to move on and they just need to believe in God or Jesus or whatever they believe in and move on. And I hear a voice behind me and I feel breath on my skin and it says, there is no God. And Rebecca picks up on her mic and she goes, I just heard a man say no God. And I went, nope, nope. And I ran up the basement stairs into the kitchen and just cried and had a a breakdown essentially and realized that I had left Jess down there alone. And she wasn't alone, but she was alone because I wasn't there. And I couldn't do that to her. So I went back to the top of the stairs and I look down and she is looking into the darkness between the slots on the stairs. And she has her arm reached into the darkness up to her shoulder. And it's really obvious that (laughs) she's pissed. And she's essentially daring this thing to touch her because she's so angry that it upset me the way that it did. Mm -hmm. And she, I could, you could like hear her inner monologue, like do it, do it. I'm not scared. Oh, you're, you're not brave enough to grab me. I see how it is. And so I am like, no. And I'm like, it's going to rip your arm off. And so I go flying down the stairs to drag her arm out of the darkness. And I look over the side and I saw a face looking back at me and it had yellow eyes. And I basically checked out at this point. John kept going. Things were ramping up. The energy was just like a whirlwind. And I felt a little bit lost in it. And I was sitting next to Jess on the stairs and she was just holding me. And at the same time, Jess, Shelly, and I all said our own versions of a prayer, even though we didn't know that that's what we were doing. And Shelly believes in angels. And so she asked the angels to protect us and to make it essentially so we didn't have to go through this anymore. And... Jess had a grandmother who just died and she was like, grandma, you are the toughest bitch I know. If there is anybody who could help us, it's you. If there is anything that you can do, will you just please help us? And I had recently had my faith crisis. So I was like, universe thing, (laughs) if you're there, if anything's there, if you have any control over this, if, if my good deeds mean anything, Please, if you can do anything, please just, I can't do this anymore. I need help. And at that exact moment, the entire basement just kind of lifted. And then we could suddenly hear the rain outside. And suddenly the light from the kitchen was filling the entire basement. And Rebecca says, I just heard the word angel and just started crying And she told us afterwards that Angel was her grandmother's secret nickname for her. Um, So she believed that her grandmother saved us. And everything went away. And the entire house felt different. And it was just gone. And I just cried like a baby (laughs) forever. Um, And we continued to live in that house for another six months. And there's an epilogue. Six months later, I'm in the same house, in the living room, telling the story of what happened in that house to a friend of mine. And he's listening, enraptured. And I finish the story and he goes, can we go see the basement? And I'm like, yeah, sure, it's fine, because there's nothing down there anymore. And it's totally cool. So we go down into the basement and the house was so old that they had to blast holes in the foundation to put in the heating and piping and plumbing and all that stuff. And so he looks down into one of the holes and with his phone as a flashlight and he says, this goes somewhere. And I was like, yeah, it goes underneath all of the house. And he goes, no, this goes somewhere. And I was like, okay, listen, (laughs) we're not going to be stirring up shit. Okay. Like we, (laughs) we already dealt with this. 
Like, we need to be careful. And he goes, I'm going to figure out where this goes. So he starts searching the entire house. And I'm just following him, kind of impatiently humoring him, because I don't believe it goes anywhere. And he finds a plank of wood outside in the grass laying against the house. And he goes, what's under here? And I was like, dirt? I don't know. And he lifts it up. And there is a six-foot pit with a door that it had been covering. And it's locked with this big old padlock. And I was like, of course. <laughs> of, of course. What, what, else, what else could it have been but a creepy bricked off locked door? And he goes, I'm going to see if we can open it. And I was like, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you. I still have another six months on this lease. I will kill you. And so he leaps down into the hole and the, the padlock was so old that it was rusty and it just broke up in his hands. And he goes inside and he goes, there's a whole cellar in here. And I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. And he goes, there are tunnels that go everywhere. Like, I think you could get all underneath your house like you could crawl through these tunnels and I was like stop it stop it and he goes what the heck and he like I hear him scuttling in a corner and he comes out and he goes look what I found and he holds up two dolls covered in dust and spider webs and I just looked at him and I went you put those back exactly where you found them you put the dust that you disturbed back where you found it and you get out of my haunted cellar. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I, I had to call John and tell him that his psychic was right. And that there was a cellar with dolls in the house. Oh my God. Yep. Yep. But we all lived. That, more or less happily ever that after. That is wild. Yeah. I'm like, I can't, like... Uh, you just can't even. <laughs> I literally just can't even. Shit. Yeah, it was a trip. So I'm sorry that went longer than I had planned. Oh darn! It's a long story. Oh darn! <laughs> I I hope your listeners will forgive me. Um. So, what do you think it was? I think that there was a little bit of everything. Yeah. I think there were some emotional leftovers. I think there were some people, like the scuttling woman. I think she was a person who died tragically. And I think that there was a demon. And it was malicious and intelligent and having a great time. So I know earlier I said I didn't think it was a demon. But after mm -hmm. some of the stuff you gave us, I totally think it was a very specific demon. Do tell. Um, and it's it's a little, I think you being on our podcast and kind of the events that have happened today. I, I don't know. It's it's kind of weird. So the Slavic demons, I don't know if you know a ton about Slavic demons. Cherner, no. Chernabog or Zernabog. Um, you know, in Disney's Fantasia, you know, Night on Bald Mountain, that's Chernobyl. Oh, yeah. He's known in Slavic mythology as the Black God. Um, he's a very powerful demon of darkness and evil. And one of his kind of minions is another Slavic um, goddess. You know, most demons are just gods or goddesses whose name is Allah or Ale or Hala, who is another goddess of darkness She's represented as a woman. She's one of like 49 demons who present themselves as women. She lives in either dark forests, dark caves, dark cellars. She's similar to the Baba Yaga in that she likes to eat children. She was often seen with images of children such as dolls. Oh my god, you're giving me goosebumps. And like the handprints on the walls exactly. that were little kids' handprints. And the biggest foreboding sign that she was coming into power were thunderstorms. Oh shit. And if you look more into demonology, she's also associated with one of the crown princes of hell, Pazuzu. <laughs> Oh, F of off. course, of guys. Course. I'm not kidding. I am not kidding. Like, no, I don't believe in coincidence anymore. So that is amazing. So the reason why is because Pazuzu is connected with one of the four cardinal directions of air, and I, I can't remember which one exactly. He's southwest. Yeah, and so Hala is also associated with kind of bad weather and crops and this and that, and so. Therefore, she kind of falls under his dominion. There are so many 
little details that I didn't even share because there's not time. Like the only people who ever saw anything were women. We could well, never and, keep more than one light bulb on at a time. They would burn out. Right, the darkness. Instantly. And that's why I asked when you weren't hearing any feedback from the ESP or EVP. I'm, I'm very uh-huh. excited. Like, this is the closest I've ever been to a demon before. <laughs> <laughs> um, Except for all the times present. that Pazuzu ate the internet. Yeah, well, and now Pazuzu's like our patron saint. <laughs> um, and I met I think the cousin. extreme opposite. Of patron saint. That's crazy. That's crazy. Uh, That's crazy. Uh, well, thank you for solving my mystery. I found a spell actually that a women sh- a woman shaman would use to kind of defer her away and keep her at bay. Where were you when I needed right? you? <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> so I feel like we should probably end this podcast with that spell because I feel like we've opened some doors here. I feel like that is a good plan. Oh, my sweet baby. Jesus, take the wheel. Yeah, I I think it's no coincidence that my internet decided to crap out like 16 times. I am now on a different computer than when we started the episode. That's why my audio quality sucks now. Which we always attribute to Pazuzu. Turns out this entire story, like, oh my gosh. And I'm literally reading The Exorcist right now. I started reading yeah, it today. Guys, this was meant to be. <laughs> um, oh, oh, that- I forgot. I forgot. Um, Hala also, one of her signs of possession and signs of influencing your life is um, their mental and physical health, such as memories and sleep patterns, are often put in peril. You can't see it, but I'm shaking my head. It's (laughs) nuts. She appears human-like, like a snake, a female dragon, or a raven. Oh, my God. That (laughs) is insane. Man, this makes my story about watching Exorcism of Emily really lame. (laughs) (laughs) I am blown away here. Like... Can I can I share my very lame story now before he he blesses <laughs> us? <laughs> yeah, go for it. Okay, so I watched the Exorcism of Emily Rose, and so I watched it by myself, which is a bad decision because it's actually a pretty mm-hmm. solidly scary movie, in spite of it being PG thirteen. Yeah. Yeah. One of the scariest PG thirteen movies that is out there, in my opinion. Oh yeah, for yeah, sure. Agreed for sure. Uh, so I watched it on my own, just on a laptop, um, and a, a big. A big part of the movie for anyone who hasn't seen it is that while the the priest is kind of investigating everything before he decides to perform the exorcism, it, he keeps waking up at a very specific time. If I remember, it was two fifty nine, oh, and he yeah. looks at the clock and it goes to three. And the it was something hour. That to, mm-hmm. Yes, and so and that was something that happened to Emily Rose when she started being possessed. And then, yeah, when he starts mm-hmm. investigating, that's happening to him. So I watched it. I'm like, oh man, that was a scary movie, and I go to sleep. And then I oh, wake no. up in the middle of the night, groggily glance at the at the alarm clock. Man, what time is it? 2.59 goes to 3. And I was like, well, F that. And so I woke up my brother and I was like, because I shared a room with him at that time. And I was like, well, you're just going to be awake with me for like a half hour until uh, things calm down. Yeah, it's funny. You thought you were going to sleep tonight. That's that's funny. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah, he was probably, what, 10 or something? He's like, what? I'm like, just Aww. just be awake with me. <laughs> oh, that happened when I watched The Fourth Kind, because it was 3.33 a.m. Yeah, yeah. Yep. I don't know if you've listened to it, but we had a, an episode about The Fourth Kind. I haven't yet, uh, but I will it was a fun one. add it to my list. Anyway, should we, uh, should we have you bless us? <laughs> I, I feel like we should. <laughs> yeah. I, maybe just for our listeners' sakes, if nothing else. Yeah, no kidding. All right. Um, so, again, this is a Slavic spell that was spoken by, by the Vrakara. I have no idea if my pronunciation of that is correct. But the definition is a woman versed in magic. Mm. And it was a very suitable ritual that was often very beneficial in pushing this demon away. So it goes here. Not hither Allah, a mightier bareheaded Allah is here. Often to the mountain cloud where no rooster crows, where no dog barks, where no cows bellow, where no sheep bleat, where Slava is not celebrated. Ooh, got chills again. <laughs> 
Well, thank you guys so much for having no, me. Thank you. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> I, I've got a lot of other ghost stories, but none are as good as that well, one. Well, we will so. definitely have you back to share some of the other ones with the awesome. obvious disclaimer that they aren't quite as intense. Thank heaven. <laughs> no, this is the, uh, these are the, the big guns. Yes. Good Lord almighty. <laughs> I don't even know okay. what to think. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, like, now that you uh, have terrified our entire <laughs> audience, um, where can people find you? So you can find me on Twitter at rrsmith underscore author. I'm the most active there. My Actually, I have a horror anthology that I will be published in on May 15th. So depending on when this episode airs, you might be able to find it on Amazon. It's called Daughters of Darkness. Uh, I'm published under R.R. Smith, and my story is called The Woman Upstairs. Yes, and so this will come out probably about 10 days after that, so uh, probably a release date of about the 25th. So Mm -hmm. uh, people will be able to get that right then. And I can tell everyone that it is a good anthology and a fantastic story uh, because I have read it. Well, thank you, and thank you again. I knew the second I listened to your podcast for the first time that I would love to be a guest on it. So I'm. it's a dream come true for me, and I'm really excited to be here with you guys. Well, that's what we do. We, we make dreams come true. And if there's anything we can say, it would be stay spooky. Stay spooky. Need even more Scream Kings? Here's our obligatory shameless social media plug. Follow us on Twitter or Instagram at Scream Kings Pod. You could also email us at ScreamKingsPodcast at gmail.com. Help us reach a wider audience of horror fans by leaving a review on iTunes or by sharing a link on social media. You can also support the show by going to patreon.com forward slash Screen Kings. Stay spooky.